You're listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? Welcome to another episode of Last Words Soccer Club Radio. We are brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, Athletic Greens, Icarus FC, and of course, we would not have a home if it were not for Last Word on Sports, Beautiful Game Network, and Last Word on Soccer. Whew, that is a mouthful. I'm your host. I'm Rachel Kruger. It is uh, the Rachel Jamie show this week, which means we're going to have a lot of fun talking about um, a, a certain U.S. Open Cup game, which I promised I would be decently nice to Jamie. But um, yeah, across the pond, we're actually recording a lot earlier than we usually do um, Wednesday afternoon. I love these work from home days. But um, Jamie, this is like one of the first times I'm talking to you and I actually see sunlight like on your face. Yeah, it does feel it does feel weird to see to see sun out the window when we're recording. Normally it's two, three AM by the time we finish. So it's definitely a welcome addition. But no, I've not been on I don't think I've been on for like over a month now. I've been had a lot of university work and now done with that, all finished with uni. So positive. Um Prim Vargal won the league since I last was on, so I need to definitely mention that going up to the championship as Harvey would love love to talk about because he loves English football as well. So yeah, all good with me. So so you're graduated? Yeah, yeah. I handed in like my dissertation last week. So I haven't had my graduation yet, but I've finished everything, so I'm pretty much done. Oh, well, that's awesome. Um, if you want to say three cheers to to Jamie, you are more than welcome to hit him up at uh Jamie, I just forgot your Twitter, so so tell the people your Twitter. <laughs> uh at RookieJNR13. Just want to handle. Send all of the congratulations to Jamie because graduating college, university, whatever you call it, is is no easy feat. It is a lot of tough work. Um, that's exciting. Yay. Uh well, I'm gonna knock you down a couple of pegs here because I have to. Um I have to say, I don't know if you heard, but when we we did the preview podcast to talk about the US Open Cup matches. You know, Matt and Dan and Harvey, or not Dan, Dan wasn't here. Jeez, Raheem, Harvey, they were all giving me trouble about, oh, you're going to pick Pittsburgh. You're going to pick Pittsburgh. And I actually didn't because I knew we were up against a really tough task with uh, the the New England Revolution. So I, I picked the Cubs set to be um, whatever the team who, who was who played Austin, New Mexico, but they did not win. The cup set indeed, ladies and gentlemen, did belong to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. That is right. My local soccer club, football club, whatever you call it, is uh mate is has advanced to the next round of the US Open Cup. There were two teams from the USL that advanced, but um Pittsburgh was the only cup set because Birmingham Legion advanced over um Memphis. Uh side note, Pittsburgh Riverhounds actually just beat Birmingham Legion this weekend. Um this past weekend, whatever. Um but yeah, so Pittsburgh Riverhounds got the cup set win uh against the New England New England Revolution. Um recent uh returning signing for us um he left last year and and now he now he's back this year um Danny Griffin 
he, I think I got his name right. Danny Griffin scored the uh, game winning goal. Um, so I think it's, it's pretty safe to say that that was a welcome signing um, to come back for Pittsburgh. And then, um, you know, still a lot of offense to be played for the Riverhounds. They didn't just sit back and park the bus. Um, of course, New England threw the kitchen sink at them. They brought in, of, I mean, come on. They, they brought in Carlos Gill and, um, oh, who's that other guy that they have that's really good? Yeah, Boateng came in too, and then there was somebody else I'm, I'm blanking on. But um, needless to say, New England threw the kitchen sink at Pittsburgh and, and the, the defense and goalkeeper Jamali Wheat uh stood tall and they got the draw they got the win they got the clean sheet victory and now pittsburgh um is actually hosting on wednesday um next week the uh next open cup match against uh against columbus and so if if pittsburgh wins and if i think if Red Bulls lose, then we would host Cincinnati. But if Red Bulls win and we win, then we would go to the Red Bulls with how the draw worked out. So um, I will bask in my glory in just a minute. But Jamie, I want you to tell me what went wrong with New England and um, also give us a, a little catch up on what, what New England's been up to this season. So uh, as you will know, I'm based in the UK and we don't actually get so, uh, we don't get any access to the US Open Cup games as far as I'm aware unless it's through YouTube or something so I wasn't able to watch this game but looking at the lineup, obviously it was a heavily rotated team as I'm sure Revolution fans will be keen to point out but it still has like a former Juventus player and Giacomo Vrioni a designated player um, Latif Blessing won the Sports Shield and MLS Cup with LAFC so there were still some very talented players in the, on the field so it's you can't simply dismiss it as a as a weak team that as the reasons obviously as as Rachel mentioned the Riverhounds did did put on a good performance and there was a familiar face for the Revolution um Edward Kizer who was uh on loan at the Riverhounds from the Revolution now I think is there permanently so always good to see familiar faces and he was played a, a big role in knocking the Revolution out um yeah I don't think it can be just knocked down to to a weekend 11th I think it's one of those things where cup sets are, are the beauty of of this sport so it's not something to to look down upon at all and uh you'd like to think from a revolution point of view they've got bigger fish to fry despite losing uh on the weekend to Miami they're still they're still top of the east they're still the team to beat um that Miami game was quite chaotic there was a lot of um not abuse, but a lot of criticism directed towards the officials. Bruce Arena in particular was his usual self. He wasn't um particularly impressed by the the officiating standards as as and it's definitely not the first time this season, probably won't be the last. Um I think in general, yeah, the refs are definitely heading in the right direction. There's a few like niggling issues to to worry about. You've got Dylan Barrera with his major injury, could be I think he's projected to be out until early twenty twenty four. So there's no chance he'll play a role again this season. Um, the big debate over who who is going to be like, who is the consistent starting forward? Rioni, you would expect as the designated player may well be, but he's had injuries. Gustavo Bowe's had injuries. Um, Bobby Wood, who currently is definitely my favourite to, to lead the line, I really rate him and I'm very impressed with that signing, I'd say. But then he's also had his own injury, injury, injury issues and then the fourth name is 
is the injured man himself, always Josie Outdoor, who from from the majority of Revolution fans is by no means justifying his wages. The wages were publicised recently, and whilst Toronto are still taking up some of that wage, he's he's definitely not not performing to the levels of the money he's getting. And I mean, later on in that Miami game, he had a, a guilt as chance right at the death and probably should have done better to score. To say he should score might be harsh, but he definitely should have done better. So Alsor's definitely getting a lot of pelters from the Revolution fans and I can understand why. So in general, it's heading in the positive direction. They've still got like a, a solid base with Georgia Petrovic, who will surely be off soon enough. And then obviously the, the centre-backs of... Andrew Fowle and Dave Dave Romney now that Henry Kessler's had his operation, it's committed to being that uh, always the back five they always see with Petrich and goal by Jerrins as the fullbacks either side of um Fowle and Romney. So yeah, I think the Revs can definitely can definitely continue this momentum. It's it's been weird since because since I've started covering them in the first season I covered them, they went broke the points record and won the Sports Shield. Then the second season I covered them, which was last year, they bombed, didn't even get to the playoffs, and they were quite frankly awful in pretty much every game. And I expected them to find a middle ground and be a, a playoff team this year, but nothing better. But they seem to have surprised us again with the fact they are leading the Eastern Conference. Um, will they be able to stay ahead of some of those elite teams in the East? I'm not, I'm not convinced. I do think, I don't think that the Revs are, are the team to win, to win the Shield this year, I think whether an Eastern Conference team like Philly or Nashville catches them could happen or equally. There's obviously a lot of teams, including your Seattle in the West, that that are definitely uh, close on their heels. So I think, yeah, in general, the Revs uh, uh, have a lot of positivity going on, but um, there's still room for improvement and there's still issues both on and off the field. Well, the beautiful part of May is that there is a lot of time left in the season. Um so Jamie, good wrap up on the New England Revolution, who, as always, are coached by my least favorite person in the world. But I will forgive it because um, I am a big Bobby Wood fan and I want to see him excel and I want to see him do um, really big things. Um, but just to give you guys a little uh, a little insight in, into how the Riverhounds possibly won this game. I mean, yes, there's always going to be the conversation of, well, you know, the, the starters for New England were not out on the pitch. I get that, but it's still, you know, it's still the Open Cup. I know Bruce Arena still takes the Open Cup seriously. Um, uh, needless to say, Pittsburgh has been really, really good this year. Um, we we started the season with uh, a few draws, a couple wins, but mainly draws. Um, and then in the month of April, the team has really found its groove, um, winning games against uh, Rio Grande Valley, excuse me, drawing against our bitter rival Indy 11. Um, and then we drew against a really good Monterey Bay team. Um, again, we just got a uh, result against Birmingham Legion, which is, you know, considered one of the better teams of uh, the USL championship. Um, and then this weekend at home, we actually play Las Vegas. I'm going to that game. I'm super duper excited. Um, I'm really excited to go watch the the guys and hope hope to get a good result there. Um, but the Riverhounds, you know, they won this game just by being aggressive and like not just parking the bus the whole time, which I, I think a lot of people expect the USL teams to do. Um, but 
they they were on the attack pretty much the entire game. New England and Pittsburgh had pretty similar stats um, in regards to, you know, shots in general, shots on target. Um, Pittsburgh actually didn't have a majority of the possession, but what they did have, they made the most of it. Um, and, you know, I think they just played, I think they just played their game and, and that helped. They didn't really play a game that was, you know, oh, well, we're going to frustrate New England. I think they just went in and were like, you know, we're going to play our game and we're going to see what happens. Um, Danny Griffin was always really good for us when he was with the team um, before. And so when I saw the news that we re-signed re him right before the Open Cup game, I was really excited and I knew he was going to be like an immediate impact player. Uh, Pittsburgh has a history of bringing back guys. We're, we're kind of like magnets almost um, a couple years ago. Uh, Robbie Mertz, he left to go to Atlanta, had some aspirations of, of playing for the senior team, but couldn't really quite break through. He was on Atlanta United, too. So um, seeing that he couldn't really break through to the first team, he was just like, well, if I'm going to play in the USL, I might as well come back home and do it. Um, and so he signed with Pittsburgh. We have Captain Canardo Forbes, who is the uh, all-time USL championship leader in assists. So he, you know, he's getting older, but he's aging like fine wine because he's still playing really, really well um, and at a very high quality for us. So uh, Pittsburgh getting the win, it definitely shocked me because I didn't pick them. Um, I will not make that mistake again. I am absolutely picking them to beat Columbus, especially because of our uh, longstanding history. Uh, we used to have a partnership with Columbus for, for a number of years. Um, I remember my first year covering the team, there were th uh, three or four guys from uh, Columbus that that were on loan with us, which was really nice to have. Um, but that partnership ended um, just totally naturally. It just ran out of uh, its contract and they just decided not to renew. Um, so Pittsburgh going to face a uh, uh, probably the best thing we have to an MLS rival. Um, so We've got Columbus on the docket on the 24th at 7, I think it is, um, at Highmark Stadium. So big game. Columbus has come into our humble little stadium right on the Monongahela River. Uh, beautiful skyline of Pittsburgh. I'll be sure to take some pictures um, and uh, and and put and post them on my social media for those who who maybe don't know what the view from from Highmark Stadium looks like. Um, but that's gonna wrap up our open cup talk, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna slide into MLS talk. But before we do that, we just want to give a shout out to our sponsor at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG One is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs: the nutrients your body needs each day, and the foundation of long-term gut health. Together, they fuel whole body health, impacting everything from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Follow the link in our show description and get started today. Thank you to Athletic Greens, um, one of our newer sponsors at Last Word on Soccer Club Radio. Um, so with that, we're going to jump into some MLS chatter. Um, just to keep it, you know, pretty concise, we, we just had a big talk with... Um, with the last podcast on some MLS teams. So wanted to get Jamie's insight into some of his hot or cold teams that he's seen. Um, Jamie picked two uh, Eastern conference teams. I picked two Western conference teams. And so to get the negative out of the way first, we're going to start with our cold. So Jamie, uh, who do you have as your cold team and, and why do you think they've been struggling lately? 
So, so for this, looking at the standings, it may not make complete sense, but I've I've highlighted Atlanta United. Um, obviously they're the fourth in the East, so they're clearly not having a bad season, and they're they're managing to cope. Whereas in past years, they've they've struggled with star players not performing, and now that Jose Martinez has moved on and et cetera, et cetera, they're they're still obviously a solid team, but um, it's been a bad month or two for them. In truth, um. Winless in their last four in all competitions, including um the fact that they got knocked out of the Open Cup by Memphis, which is obviously um a big blow. A lot of a lot of teams in MLS do like to complete compete on multiple fronts, and I almost think the lack of jeopardy without promotion relegation means that those teams can a lot of teams can therefore fight even harder on the on the cup front, whether it be Open Cup or whatever else. But um they lost in Nashville as well. Um and then last time out, um, Andrew Gutman got sent off against Charlotte FC, uh, with former Atlanta United player, ironically Justin Merrim, scoring a brace for Charlotte in in Charlotte's win, and um, there was a lot said about his his celebration lack of the way he was so respectful to the club, and some people thought he almost went over the top with it, but he's recently come out and said that like they almost like revitalized his career and was so helpful to his family, so you can understand why he, why he holds. Atlanta United in such high regard, but yeah, it's there's nothing there's nothing obvious that is necessarily going wrong for them at the moment. They're still, as I said, they're they're in in the playoffs comfortably, and they're still um, there's yeah they're still easily a a top seven team in the East if you like, and they've got some definitely winnable games coming up. Um, Chicago in particular, Chicago in particular, will be one they they think they can get three points over. Uh, Eastern Conference rival um, Columbus is their next game, so I think in general yeah, it's a it's always a weird one for Atlanta because they've got such a a star-studded roster, particularly in the attacking third with the likes of Arajuho and Almada. They're they they're almost sometimes reliant on that individual brilliance as opposed to to fully working as as a team unit. But they do have the quality all over the pitch, whether it be someone like Miles Robinson and 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 Co. So. I don't think it's it's like panic stations for Atlanta, and you'd imagine they will be able to turn it around. And um, they are they are definitely a a solid team of the Gonzalo Pineda. So I don't think yeah, it's definitely not panic stations, but um, they'll be wary of this this almost slide they're going on. And um, that next game against Colorado will hopefully be one they can bounce back in with Colorado themselves not in the playoffs currently in the West. Yeah, another team I definitely root for is Atlanta because their head coach is a former assistant of the Seattle Sounders. So um always like to see Gonzo Pineda uh, do good things. But like you said, if the playoffs were to end today, they would be in. Um, another team that if the playoffs were to 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 begin, I should say, um, today they would be in is the Houston Dynamo, a major turnaround under, under Ben Olsen the uh, first year head coach of the Houston Dynamo this year after uh, being longtime uh, manager of DC United. And then he went to the Washington spirit of the national women's soccer league for a little bit um, in a, in a front office role. Um, But now he's at the Dynamo and they've certainly turned it around, but uh, the Dynamo definitely showed old flashes of, uh, of their old ways 
uh, with their match against the Seattle Sounders. And listen, I get it. Like every team, you know, they, they sell fouls. They, you know, there's a little bit of rolling around and whatnot, but the uh, first straight red card to bossy was definitely earned for going studs up on, um, on, I think it was Nicholas Lodero. Um, and then just a lot of yellow cards and, and a lot of cautions for, um, for the dynamo, it felt like almost like every other minute there was a there was a whistle being blown and a card being pulled out. Um, Hector Herrera, he was given his first yellow card in the 58th minute and then just sloppy play in the 78th, getting a second yellow to result in a red. Um, so they were down nine men. And then um, honestly, on the road, it wasn't the greatest showing from the Sounders, but Rothrock did get the goal for them to go ahead and, you know, Houston, they, they were trying to attack, but really Seattle had the better of them with having a two-man advantage against them. But the two the two red cards were just, they were plays that could have been easily avoided. And I think that Houston just was showing some old flashes of what they used to be. Um, and of course, you know, there's anyone who who gives a good reaction to the referees, it's Ben Olsen, and he definitely made his voice heard. Um, in April, Houston didn't have a terrible month. They actually picked up two wins against Miami and the Galaxy, um, but they did draw against the Red Bulls on the road, and then they did lose to San Jose. I talked a lot about San Jose last week, so I'll save my breath on them this week. Um, but the month of May hasn't been off to the hottest start for them. I think Houston should have easily beat Real Salt Lake at home, and then they lost to Seattle. So that's two uh, matches where they they lose out on six points at home, um, picking up only one out of six potential points. Um, they go on the road. Again, we're recording early on Wednesday. So if you are listening to this before the Wednesday night midweek games, they are on the road at Minnesota. And then this coming weekend, they are on the road in a uh, Texas rivalry against uh, Dallas. So they don't have Minnesota technically is an easier matchup on paper. Um, but with the addition of Emmanuel Reynoso back to practice, who knows if they're even going to use him or not, but I don't know. It could be a game that if Houston gets a draw, I think they could see that as a success, but I would like to see them go and be a little bit competitive with Dallas. Um, even though Dallas and Houston are right next to each other on the standings, I just think it would be nice to see, um, just like a Texas matchup where one isn't getting blown out of the water as we're so used to with um, how Houston has been in the past. But uh, I think kind of like what you said about Atlanta, I don't think there's anything wrong per se. Um, if it's, you know, player coach, I think that's all been pretty fine and dandy this year, but bossy is their leading goal scorer and their second leading goal scorer is Herrera and they're both out on red cards. So um, definitely got to watch the silly fouls. Um, and just got to be a little bit better with discipline uh, in, in that regard. Um, so moving on to our hot teams, our hot teams are the teams that are doing well. And we both picked two uh, Southern teams. So we're, we're clearly doing something right because Nashville is known for hot wings and Dallas, I'm sure, has spicy food because, well, they're in Texas. Um, so, Jamie, tell us about Nashville, um, a team that I have no stranger of heaping praise on throughout this podcast. Yeah, you and me both. I think in the past, I, I remember whether it be me, you and Harvey or me, you and Felipe, we've always had pushback from others as to our, our praise on them. And I think the big sticking point will always be the over-reliance on Kenny Mottar. And 
from from the outside looking in, I want to say, oh, they've been they've been less reliant on him. That's been one of the beauties of them this year under Gary Smith is that they don't rely solely on Mukhtar. But then before this, I was looking at the stats. He's scored six and assisted five, which is a, a solid record so far. Bear in mind they've only scored fifteen goals this season, meaning he's contributed to over seventy three percent of their goals. So again, it is everything comes through him. And that's always been the case since he's been at his best. Obviously, winning MVP last year, winning the Golden Boot last year, being a, a best eleven player last year, um, it, it is what he's there for. He is he is the star man. And even last year, when CJ Sapong was playing some of his best football in years, it was still all about Mukhtar. And now with Sapong gone, again, it, it is all about Mukhtar. But the beauty of it is he's not. It's not just him, and he scored a hat trick against. Chicago a few weeks back, but in the other games around that, where they've picked up wins or draws, you've seen other players come to the fore. Someone like Teal Bunbury, a former Rev. Um, Fafa Pico's chipped in with a couple of goals, which I love. I don't know why, but he's always been one of my favourite players in MLS. I remember six or seven years ago now, when I first properly started taking interest, I think he was, he was at the Union then, and he always stuck out to me then. So glad to see him delivering alongside someone like Mukhtar. Um, in the last game, they only drew with DC, but it was Alex Mill who got another goal um, with his armpit, which was quite a quite a different way of scoring, as he pointed out in a celebration. But yeah, it's good to see these players contributing in and around Mukhtar and not having him do all the work. Although at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of the attacking play comes through him. Uh, they've always been known under Smith as a particularly defensive re- resolute team with um, Joe Willis and goal and walks him. Zimmerman in defence at the heart of that is like the the key spine. Um, Shaq Moore's come in at, at fullback and he's 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 very good working both ways. He's chipped in with a couple of assists already this year, but is also very defensively sound. So I think just all over the pitch, Nashville have whether it's um, elite talent, maybe not, because uh, it goes without saying that Hanni Mottard German is is the standout star. But when they've got that experience with. Willis Zimmerman and obviously Dax McCarty in the spine it it really holds that team together well and allows someone like Mukhtar to excel and then the players around him for them to be chipping in Bunbury and Fafa Pico to be to be contributing on the goals front is excellent I think Nashville can genuinely obviously I don't want it to happen as, as a Rev supporter I think I obviously want the revolution to top the east but I think Nashville are currently five points behind Cincinnati and the Revs but I could easily see them closing that gap I think and they do have that ability and they have shown that even when Hany Mozart isn't at his best, they can not always, they do sometimes drop points in his absence, but they can they can step up and and work around him even when he's not his best. And they've got a lot of Eastern Conference games coming up now, the likes of Miami, they've actually got two games against Miami in a week, which is interesting, and Charlotte and Columbus. And then, yeah, so they can build up these points against hopefully anyway, against these Eastern Conference rivals and um, yeah, work their way towards the, the top of the Eastern Conference. They don't play the Revs until until late August and they play Cincinnati in mid-July. So by then, if, if they're on a similar point to Tally, I don't see why Nashville can't beat those teams with Hani Mukhtar as a spearhead and, and go on and push on for for the Shield. Because yeah, as me and you say a lot of the time, Rachel, we're, we're big fans and we're, we're always rooting for them in some way and always expecting them to to bring the best out of themselves. 
I think if there was an award for the most likable team, I think it would go to Nashville. I don't know many people who don't like Nashville SC in some way, shape, or form. It could be, you know, because of Gary Smith. It could be because of Walker Zimmerman or Hani Mukhtar. But I just think that they're one of the most likable teams. And, yeah, I think they they just need to get over that hump. And I think I, I think every year that this is the year, Nashville's, Nashville's going to do it. Um, I've always been a big Gary Smith believer. I really like him. I think he's extremely, extremely underrated um, and, and needs to get recognized for, for coach of the year. Definitely. Um, so my team that I think is, is hot is FC Dallas. Uh, the only three losses this year have been pretty understandable one against uh, LAFC. And then I don't really mind the loss to, to New York city FC in late April. I think those are both good teams. And then the beginning of the season, very first match loss against Minnesota. I mean, every team it, it looks different than when they did in, in, in week one. Um, but Dallas has got some, some pretty convincing wins this year. A um, couple key draws on the road that have been helpful to them um, and in their hunt for points. Um, they just got a win on the road against Austin FC. And as most of us know, Austin FC has been heralded as a, a pretty good fortress um, and has a really, really good fan base selling out games and just being super duper loud. Um, so getting a, a road win there is definitely not easy at Q2 Stadium and Dallas were able to do that. Um, they have Vancouver, Houston, San Jose and Kansas City this month. I think on paper, the only game that is easy for them is going to be Kansas City. But then again, that's a children's mercy park. So that's a tough environment to play in as well. Um, San Jose has been a dark horse this year. They've been good. Uh, talked a little bit about Houston. And then Vancouver has always just been a wild card. So, uh, so they, they split right down the middle with two home matches, two away matches. So for them to get a couple wins and then maybe a couple draws or potentially a couple wins on the road uh, would definitely, definitely benefit Dallas. Um, I've, I've always liked this team. I they're, They've always been a young team. Um, gotta love Jesus Ferreira, six goals. Um, this MLS season for them, um, becoming a new mainstay with the U.S. men's national team. Um, I like Velasco. And then, um, yeah, they got Paul Ariola too. I think he can, I think he's definitely still reeling from not making the World Cup roster. And I think he still has a lot to show um, in regard to, you know, proving, proving people wrong um, about why he didn't make that roster. But yeah, I like Dallas. They're they're a young team. Um, another team that has always had this issue of just like getting over that hump um and and making it further in the playoffs. But um they they've been consistently hanging around the top half of the Western Conference. Um first and second place, I think, are are pretty tight with Seattle and um and LAFC taking hold of that. But right now it's really uh in the middle of San Jose San Jose, St. Louis and and Dallas, anybody could switch places with anybody. And I think Dallas has always been kind of one of those sneaky good teams with, you know, not many well-known faces on their on their roster because of how young they are. But I think that youth definitely benefits them. So I, I like Dallas a lot. I, I think they're good. And I think they have a couple uh, favorable matchups heading in, excuse me, heading into finishing this month. So um, I'm excited to see how many results they're able to to able to pull throughout May. Um, but with that said, we are going to 
uh, end our MLS chatter and we're going to go to the the round table we have a couple uh things to talk about the biggest thing um is the transfer of Flo Balogun to the US men's national team getting his one time switch approved by FIFA from uh England to the United States so Jamie's loss and our gain uh, this has been a big one a lot of people are already touting him as uh, the best striker in CONCACAF. Um, I like him. I think he's going to fit our um, our, our our style very well. Uh, I think he's going to gel well with the guys that we do have on the team already. Um, I could see him having a quick, easy, uh, and good partnership with guys like Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic up top. Um, and then I, I think he's just a natural goal scorer, scoring uh, a lot with rhymes in in France, and um, yeah, he his his ceiling is is and ugh, I can't speak today. His ceiling is is really nowhere to go but up. He's a young guy, only twenty one years old. Uh, when I read that he was born in two thousand one, I almost had a heart attack. Um, I feel so old, but he uh, he grew up in the youth system uh, at Arsenal. Has like one or two senior apps with them playing playing in games with them has pretty much gone on loan his career so um I I wonder if he'll stay with rhymes I wonder if he'll go somewhere else but um Jamie what do you know about Flo and uh what have you liked about him and what do you think is going to be the biggest attribute he brings to the U.S. men's national team first I, just, I have to agree with you on on the aging as I'm 22 so most players I enjoy watching are like, older than me. So, yeah, to look at Balogun, who's scoring all these goals in France and he's 21, is, yeah, it's quite it's sickening, really. But, um, no, as obviously beyond, I'm English, but I love the UN men's national team as well. And then my Premier League team is Arsenal. So, this is like all of my all of my football loves brought together. So, this is a, a deal close to my heart. And I'm, I'm glad for him and for the US to be honest, because the talent in the attacking pool currently for England it is so good that um, you do wonder whether he would have ever got an opportunity. It massively depends on what his next career step is because, um, as you mentioned, Hard played at Arsenal, went on loan to Middlesbrough, played under Chris Wilder, got a few good opportunities in games, but n- nothing really nothing really came of it, scored a few goals, but didn't set the world alight. And now, yeah, he's under Will Still, who's everyone's favourite manager in France. And, yeah, it's interesting to see he's done well for, for Rhymes and... um. Jonathan David is one of the... There's only four players above him in the scoring charts. Jonathan David at Leo is one of them. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how he, how he answers the questions when it comes to the US, because it seems over the last two years, despite the huge growth that the national team's enjoyed, the big question has always been over that starting spot up front, whether it be Ross Sargent or Geordie Peafolk. There's been so many names banded about that no one's quite yet really grab that grab that starting shirt by the hand so it could be it could be Balligan that does it and yeah I think um it's it is it is a loss to England but I don't think again he was ever really going to get the minutes so um I, yeah I'm like you I'm fascinated to see what happens next because if he comes back in at Arsenal um he's not gonna he's realistic he's not gonna start over Gabriel Jesus so there's a question of whether he can compete with Eddie and Ketia for the the first backup role if that makes sense so a move to Rhymes could be on the cards, but then question whether that there'll have be a club that has the finances to spend however much Arsenal demands. So 
could well be finds a middle ground. He goes goes to a, a Lille or a Lyon in France or goes to a, a Crystal Palace or someone like that in England. I think he'll have a lot of options to him. And yeah, I think it's just this it's an exciting move all round. And I will really be interested to see how he does when you've got the World Cup three years, three years away now, where obviously the US will be hosting alongside Mexico and Canada. I think it could be a time when he'll be 24 by then, I think maybe 25. So he could be in his prime years and could could make a real difference as the US hope to do well on home soil in that World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exciting is the word. He hasn't he's scored a, a decent amount of goals when he's played in the England youth setup, but there hasn't been he hasn't he hasn't obviously made that jump into the first team yet. So definitely a, a smart move all round for Balogun to make the jump to the USMNT. Yeah, lots of people saying that he's going to be up for selection um, in the upcoming Nations League semifinals and then potential, you know, wh whatever the U.S. does in that game against Mexico, either the they win and go to the final or they go to the third place game, um, that he's going to be up for selection. Uh, and, and I mean, come on, man, what better to have your debut be against L tree, your your biggest CONCACAF rival. Um, that's gonna be awesome. And then right around the corner, uh, after that too is the CONCACAF Gold Cup in the group stage. Uh still waiting on uh one to be determined opponent, but Jamaica and Nicaragua also in the group. So um a, a lot of CONCACAF for, for young flow to get <laughs> well acquainted to, although he will be playing in the United States in all of these games. Um so whenever that time comes, as Jamie, you were saying, already got to start, start talking about the World Cup in, in 2026. So uh, to get good tests, you're going to have to go pretty much every and, and travel because the U.S. does not have to worry about qualification. So they're still going to give these guys time to to go down to Nicaragua and to Trinidad and Tobago and, and Jamaica and Costa Rica and all these different places and 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 play against uh, some pretty hostile and and just well-known CONCACAF crowd. So I'm excited to see what, what he thinks about it. And definitely uh, U.S. men's national team fans, give yourselves a pat on the back because Flo said that was one of the biggest reasons why he decided to um, to, to switch over. The The fan base was so welcoming to him and they were really hyping him up in, in, uh, on his social media and just out and about when he would see them. And so um, U.S. men's national team fans, you did your job well. Um, uh so the in, in other roundtable news, the USL is the second division tier of men's soccer in the United States. It, it currently houses uh, the USL championship, and then there's League One and League Two. So the USL championship is the second tier league. Major League Soccer, of course, is the first tier league. So if we jump over to the women's side, there were uh, rumblings for a while about a new um you know, USL dipping their toes into the women's soccer game. Uh, back in September 2021, they announced that they were creating uh, what's going to be the USL Super League. And uh, a lot of people were like, okay, this is cool. This is this is a nice thing to, to, to slot into that Division II um, place because there really isn't a Division II. Um, to give you the rundown, the NWSL is the top tier league of, of women's soccer in the United States. And for the longest time, there was only just the WPSL, which is kind of like an amateurish league. Um, a great league at that, though. Um, lots of teams throughout the nation. Great experience for college players. 
Um, and then to build off of that, the USL had the USLW League, which was more of like academy teams, um, like almost like senior academy teams in a way. So then the Super League comes in and they said, you know, we're going to, you know, go for D2 status. Well, on um, on Tuesday this week, the Super League announced the first eight teams confirmed to play in the inaugural 2024 season. They said, hey, we're going to do we're going to be a league that goes from um, does a fall to, to spring calendar the as we all know, as the FIFA calendar. Um, and then they dropped a big bombshell saying, oh, by the way, we're going division, we're seeking division one status. Um, so many, many years ago, there was a big fight for um, a certain division status between the old NPSL uh, or the NASL. And, you know, so, and, and there was a big decades long lawsuit. So pretty much as long as the Super League can prove that they have um, that they meet the standards of division one qualities, then they're pretty much going to get division one because U S soccer doesn't want another decade long lawsuit on their hands. Um, some of the locations for these super league teams are a little questionable, like Spokane, Washington, um, no offense to the city at all. It just, I've heard travel out of there is pretty horrendous and the location just doesn't really make sense. Um, there, there's going to be a team in Washington, DC again, also doesn't really make sense because they're supposed to play at Audi field where the NWSL team, Washington spirit already plays. Um, there's going to be a team in Charlotte, um, which is direct competition with Cary, North Carolina. So some of these things just don't really make sense. And there's a lot of question to just why is um, why is the USL Super League wanting to even compete with the NWSL for Division One status when there really is no Division Two team? So I, I want to see the Super League do well, but I didn't want to see them do well as a as a direct competition to the NWSL. Um, in regard to my hometown team the Pittsburgh Riverhounds I actually asked the team for a comment yesterday and I got from a spokesperson that quote they are actively working with the league to explore several opportunities to bring professional women's soccer to Pittsburgh end quote um, but they don't have an immediate plan in place so yes I would love to see professional women's soccer in Pittsburgh I've been you know saying it would work for years now but I don't think the Super League directly competing with the NWSL is the way to do it. Um, so that's just a little bit of food for thought there. Um, we're going to end this show with uh, pickums and last words. So we're just going to, we just decided to do, you know, pickums for the teams that we cover. And then also uh, the one game that is on national television this week. So um, Philadelphia, New England play Saturday at 7.30 PM Eastern time on Apple TV. Um, Jamie, th this is going to be a good one between a Philadelphia team that hasn't had the most consistent performances and, uh, a, a revolution team that is coming off of a, a, a loss to, to Miami. So what do you think happens? Who do you think wins? It's, it's quite safe to say, but it generally could go either way. I think, um, obviously the union have got that home advantage and Super Park is often proven to be something of a fortress. So I think it will be. I don't think it'll be the most entertaining game to almost be cagey because it's two very capable sides and I reckon I can all end in a draw, one one maybe, and I'd I'd like to say that, that Bobby Wood will get on the score sheet for the revolution again. 
Uh, I'm pretty much with you. I was thinking draw. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. I think both sides are just going to throw the kitchen sink at each other um, and try to get a bunch of goals. And I think it's just going to overwhelm each other's defense. Um, so we both agree. I think we both agree on draws, but different score lines. Um, the national game this week, uh, St. Louis City against Sporting Kansas City at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's on Apple TV for free, and it is on Fox Sports 1 as well on Saturday night. Uh, Jamie, who do you think wins? Uh, going off of the standings in the Western Conference, I mean, there's there's only one winner, right? And I would I would concur with that. I think there's been well reported the issues that SKC are currently experiencing both on and off the field, whereas St. Louis are having such a such a strong uh, inaugural season. So again, I'd have to go with I'd have to go with uh, St. Louis winning this. Um, I think they're they're at home as well, so they've got that advantage. Um, yeah, I reckon. I reckon three now. I reckon it will be quite one-sided, and the the form books will definitely continue. Uh, I think sporting is definitely. They've had a couple misfortunes this season. I think that's fair to say. Um, it, but in league play, they are technically on uh two wins in a row. So I think they have. There, there's a lot of positive thinking. I think of the Sporting Kansas City mindset. I think that they're, you know, thinking they're on the upswing. St. Louis hasn't won a game though since April fifteenth against Cincinnati, and I think they're itching to win one. So, um, Chicago got the better of them two games in a row. Uh, they did have a red card in their last league game for Josh Nelson in the seventieth minute, but I think there's going to be a, a pepper lit underneath uh sporting or i'm sorry st louis and i think they're gonna win the game to to nil um then last but not least for pickums we've got uh the seattle sounders against on the road against vancouver whitecaps so this is the uh felipe rachel derby um this is a 10 30 p.m eastern time on apple tv plus yeah it's on apple tv plus um on on saturday um jamie who do you think is Seattle going to still retain first place? Firstly, there's, there's nothing I really love more in MLS than when we have these games between between writers, particularly when it's like one podcast host versus another. I just I almost wish we had someone covering every team so we could experience this every week. But I think it's, yeah, two very, two very strong sides, two playoff sides easily. So um, I think Vancouver may get the better of Seattle, though. I think they may. They may start to rise up the table in the coming weeks. Uh, I've liked what I liked what I've seen from them so far. So I'm gonna say Vancouver edge it in a very entertaining 3-2 victory. Oh man, I'm gonna go Seattle 2-0. Um, I know it's a homer pick, but I'm gonna do it. I think uh I think Seattle has been definitely given a spark with um the the play of Albert Rusnak. I think he has been a lot better at the beginning of this season than he was at the beginning of last season. So um, I, I think they're going to just carry that momentum. And I think they're going to go into Vancouver and I think they're going to get a dub. So I'm going to go Seattle to nothing with that. We have our last words. So Jamie, uh, we, we said your Twitter at the beginning of the show, but if you want to remind the viewers, uh, the listeners uh, about your Twitter and then any last words, please feel free to do so. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, my Twitter at is RookieJNR13. And um, I admit it's, it's been a, a poor start to the season for me in terms of watching MLS. Despite subscribing to Apple TV, I haven't watched as much as I would like to. 
So I'm hoping to, as the summer comes on, like, and now my exams and work is all over, get fully into it again. But I'm still, I've still been covering the Rev regularly. So check out all my revolution pieces on Twitter. And um, yeah, uh, there's not much else to it. Um, my sec, or I'll say also my sec second love is as well as football is is film, and I've been writing a fair bit about that. That can be found on my Twitter as well. I'm hoping to have an exciting interview coming soon, so look for that. And then yeah, in this evening I'll be watching the Champions League, Real Madrid, Man City, and then um the playoffs, which Borough, Middlesbrough, and goal. They've got Zach Steffen, so relevant to the the US audience. So yeah, that should be two very good games to have double screening. Nice. Good stuff, Jamie. Um, I'm always grateful to whenever I ask Matt if I could plug some things um, for, for my work at Equalizer Soccer, and he always gives me the, the thumbs up in the A, okay? So um, my Twitter, by the way, is at Rachel Krigger, two A's in my name, not just one. Um, so I got a really fun, exciting interview coming up with Costa Rican women's national team um, defender Daniela Cruz. Uh, coming to Equalizer this weekend, she is in her first Liga MX Femenil season with Atlas, who finished uh, the regular season in seventh place and are heading to the Ligilia um, and taking on Mighty Tigris in the first round. But I have to say, even though Tigris have American International uh, me official on their team, I am definitely now after talking with Daniela rooting for uh, Atlas for the upset. So I uh, talked with her about her first season uh, in Mexico, why she and a bunch of other Costa Rican internationals are coming to in, into droves to the leagues, uh, to that league uh, ahead of the World Cup. And then, of course, talking about Costa Rica and their preparation going into uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup, which kicks off this summer in just like a little over a month and a half, ladies and gentlemen. So get ready. Don't And, and if you don't stay up for the games, don't worry. Just set your DVRs. That's what I'm going to be doing most of the time, too. Costa Rica has some 2 a.m. games. So, um, yeah, I, I work full time. I value my sleep. So <laughs> might have to put some of those on the back burners. Before we go, I just want to give um, two more shout outs to some sponsors. Want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team today at roughneckscarves.com. Don't forget to get some Riverhound scarves if you want to root for us for another cup set against uh the Columbus crew. Jamie, I might even have to send you one as a as a parting gift. Um, and then Ladies and gentlemen, if you are tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, and you're looking for a uniquely compl completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams and affordable price with the motto, any design you want. Seriously, let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And of course, thank you again to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Um, and then, of course, to lastwordonsports.com, uh, Last Word SC Radio on all your podcast platforms. Like, subscribe, give us a comment, give us a rating, tell us what you think of us, as long as it's nice. We like nice things. Um, and then thank you to, to everyone that listens and, and supports. And for myself and Jamie, we will talk to y'all soon later this MLS season.